Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. I don't know if you have realized it or not, but life is kind of tough at times. Um, A lot of people struggle. And uh, certainly these days, there seems to be a lot of tension and a lot of pressure on people. And uh, some folks handle it better than others. But but the reality is, is that um, mental health, uh, things like that are are really out of whack for a lot of people right now. And as Christians, if our faith isn't real, if it isn't authentic, then what good is it? Um, Now, we understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and I in no way am trying to diminish from that. But Jesus also said that he came to give us life and to give us life in abundance. And what that means is that we are able to live above our circumstances, that as as followers of Christ, we should be able to to have victory in our lives rather than to just continue to muddle along um, like everybody else. There, There should be something different about a Christian's life. And so this morning, this message that I'm I'm speaking to is is aimed at that very subject, that that how do we have a faith that is real? How do we have a faith that makes a difference in our day-to-day lives? And so I've entitled this message, A Faith That Keeps Me Hopeful. Um, In James chapter 5, it says, you must be patient. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord's coming is near. And I want to remind you that the book of James was written to people who were going through extremely hard times. They had been driven out of their homes. They had been driven from the towns they live in, and they were living scattered all abroad um, because of persecution. Because of their faith in Christ, they had been driven out. And so they were living in really tough situations. And James is writing to encourage them, and he's writing to them to, to give them words of wisdom that help them hang on and help them to, to live a life that, that is significant, that, that isn't beaten down by the circumstances. Now, as human beings, we can handle an enormous amount of stress. We can even handle a lot of pain as long as there is hope. But when hope is gone, people tend to just give up. There was a study done a number of years ago um, on people who had survived the death camps in in World War II, Auschwitz and Bokenville and, and all of those different death camps. And they interviewed the people that, that had survived them. 
And to a person, the one trait that kept them alive where people around them gave up and died was hope. They held on to a hope and hope gave them the strength to endure. And that's why James is saying in, in verse 8, be patient. You must remain strong. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, and, and that's, that's a, a phrase that we need to, to kind of sink in in our lives is keep your hopes high. Don't give up hope. Now, as I told the folks in the first service, and, and I'll, I'll say the same to you, when I'm preaching, 99% of the time, I'm preaching to me, and you all just have the luxury, if, that, if you want to consider it that way, you're eavesdropping on my conversation with myself. Okay, so that, that, that's important to understand. And, and my question is, how are you handling being under stress? How, how well are you holding up when the hard times hit? Do you feel like you're like there's air leaking out of your tire? Um, I, again, I, in my car, every morning when I get in the car, the little light is on that says my right rear tire is low with air. So I go to Casey's and I put, because Casey's gives free air. And so I go to Casey's and I put air in the tire. And guess what? The next morning, there it is again. Your right rear tire has air, is low on air. Sometimes that's the way I kind of feel about my life, that I'm just constantly kind of going, and, and we, we need to remain strong. We need to... Keep our hopes high. And what James teaches us is that hope is built on knowledge. When you understand who God is, when you understand what the word of God tells us, then your hope will, will be increased. And as your hope is increased, your faith is increased. The more we, we know about hope, the more we realize how essential it really is. If a person has hope in God, it affects them spiritually, obviously, but it also affects us mentally. It affects us motion, emotionally, and it even affects us physically. Our hope has to be strong in order to have faith, and, and faith feeds hope. It, 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 it's all in one, one con combined system. Now, hope is so essential that as, as we begin to, to unpack this, what I want you to, to do is go with me through the book of James, because James has several different places where he talks about building hope. It, it is essential to our, our understanding. Now, if you don't get what God has to say, then it becomes hopeless. So, 
Here, let, let's look at several of the things that, that James tells us about hope. First, we have hope because we can understand that our, our difficult times will not last. Now, one of my mother's sayings when I was growing up, and I actually used to hate it when she would say this, is I would come in with some problem, whatever the problem happened to be. And one of her favorite sayings was, this too shall pass. <sighs> no matter what we're dealing with, we need to understand that it's temporary. And maybe you're sitting there saying, well, no, I've had this problem my entire life. And I will have this problem until the day I die. Well, guess what? It's not going to follow you into eternity. So it's still temporary. No matter how bad the problem is, it will eventually end. And if when, when we go into eternity, I guarantee whatever problem you have in this life, it will be left behind. So we need to understand that our, our problems are temporary. They will not last forever. In verse 10 of chapter 5, James says, Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything. They went through everything. They never once quit. All the time honoring God. So the first thing we need to do is we need to look beyond the circumstances that we're, we're going through and focus on what is eternal rather than what is temporary. What does that mean? All right. I, I know I said this last week. Quit watching so much television. Quit looking at social media because all that's doing is filling your mind and your life with garbage. And when you are focused on, on the word of God, when you are focused on Jesus Christ, what you're doing is you are building an eternal perspective. But when you're looking at what's going on in the news, all you're doing is, is filling your life with junk. It's kind of like if a diabetic set there and injected sugar into their system. You know, you're killing yourself. That, that's all you're doing. And when we sit there and watch the news over and over again, and we, we we're, we're, you know, mainlining all of this stuff that's on social media and all of the, the immorality that's on, on television and all of that stuff, what you're doing is countering what God wants to do in your life. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, We fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but are on the things that are unseen, because what can be seen is temporary and will only last for a short time, but what cannot be seen will last forever. Everything you see that is material is going to go away. This building is one day going to be rubble. This building one day is going to be worm food. It is all destined to go away. So it's not the focus. It's not the thing that we get so zeroed in on. What we focus on is what is unseen. Well, what is unseen? God is unseen. 
your spirit is unseen. And so those are things that are going to last forever. If you want more hope in your life, then change your perspective. Instead of focusing on the world and the world's problems, focus on God, who is the author of creation and who is the God of heaven. Start paying more attention to God through his word and through prayer and, and less on the temporary aspects of this world. That's, that's the way you build hope. Now, the second reason that we can have hope in difficult times is because we know that when we experience difficulties, God will use that for good. Now, we're all familiar with Romans 8, 28. That, that is a very familiar verse. We know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to their, his purposes. But James gives us additional information about the good that God wants to accomplish. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. That's the good that God wants to do through your life and through the bad things that happen in your life. Now we need to understand God does not cause bad things to happen in our lives. The, the, James clearly says that God is the author of everything that is good, but bad happens. Well, why does bad happen? Well, there's three reasons. One, you and I are sinners. I, I, I hope that doesn't come as a shock to anybody. You and I are sinners. Most of the problems that I have in my life are my fault. I am a sinner. I mess up. We live in a broken world. This is not a perfect world. You know, it, it, it's um, there. There is wrong all over, and that wrong feeds into our lives. That's the second reason. The third reason is there is an enemy of your soul named Satan, and he is he is diabolical, and he is set on doing anything and everything he can to ruin you. And so between those three things, we have bad that happens in our lives. But the thing about God is God says, even with all of the bad, I can take it and I can do good through it. That's that's the good thing that God is doing through your life. Now, I've said this before, and it's certainly not original to me. God is much more interested in developing your faith and character than he is in making you comfortable. Darn it. I, I wish I wish he wouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is. God wants to develop who you are he doesn't want to just give you a nice, cozy life. And we understand that as, as parents, we give our children chores to do. We discipline them. We do things to help them understand responsibility and understand how to make themselves better. 
Well, God does the same thing. When things happen in our lives, God says, let me teach you through this. Let me help you be a better person because of what you are experiencing. Now, maybe right now you're sitting there thinking, I, I don't feel very, very good about everything that's happening. But understand, again, that God is using this and one day you'll be able to look back and you'll say, wow, I, I have come a ways. You know, I, 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 I used to really struggle with this, but now I understand how it's made me a better person. It's made me a stronger person. And, and we grow, but we don't necessarily see it happening. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, these little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all of our troubles seem like nothing. Wow. Have you thought about the fact that what may seem like a monster of a problem in your life right now, one day you're going to look back from heaven's perspective and go, huh, that was nothing. You know, it was a, it was a fleck. It was nothing. That's that's what God wants us to understand. When we have an eternal perspective, then when we look at God and how immense and great and holy and magnificent God is, our problems cease to be such a big deal. They become small. They become minuscule compared to the glory of God. Now, we also have hope because we know Okay, that these these difficulties are temporary and we have hope because we know that God will use hardships to help us grow and 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 come to good. But God also uses hardships and, and we can grow in our our faith because getting irritated about it doesn't help. It's counterproductive. You know, getting getting upset, getting distressed, getting angry about something that you have no control over is silly. It, it, it's a dumb thing to do. It's like a traffic jam. You see people getting full of road rage and they, they lose their minds because there's a traffic jam. Well, what did that? How did getting mad fix anything? All it did was made the situation worse. I, I liken it to someone, and, and again, I don't know if anyone in here has ever done this, so I am not aiming this at anybody, but how stupid is it to punch a wall? You know, because walls don't give, but your hand will. And, and, and it's just dumb. You know, th there's only one loser when you punch a wall, and that's you. And, and so we getting mad and, and getting irritated and getting frustrated and, and all of that, when, when there's things happening in our lives that we have no control over, is the same, it's a, the equivalent of, of punching a wall. James in James 1 verse 19 and 20 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Now, listen to this last part. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. 
Getting mad, getting angry, getting frustrated does not produce righteousness, the type of righteousness that God is trying to build in us. So what you're doing is you are being counterproductive to the will of God. Now, have you been guilty of that? Again, I'm preaching at me. You're just listening. Okay. Have you been guilty of that? Have you ever allowed yourself to get caught up in, in that negative, sick thinking process that, that happens, grumbling and complaining. If you have, you need to repent. James 5, 9 says, don't complain or grumble against each other, or you will be judged by God who is standing right at the door. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers here. But what he's saying is that when we have that, that negative, snarky attitude, when we get our, our panties in a bundle, you know, and we're just walking around with a bad attitude and we, we're, we're just being, being jerks, God's up there going, really? That, that, that's the way you want to act, huh? Well, you and I are going to have a talk about that. When I was a kid and I was acting up in church, my dad would give me a couple of tries at correcting myself. And then he'd lean over and say, when we get home, I want to see you in your bedroom. And I knew where this was going. When we have a bad attitude, when we have a wrong attitude, when we are ungodly in our attitudes toward others, God is leaning over saying, we're going to have a talk in your room about this. It's important. We can't just blow off our behavior and expect God not to respond to it. Now, we don't want to make God angry. That, that's not a smart thing to do. So how do we please God rather than make him mad? Well, the fourth thing that, that we can do that builds our hope and builds our faith is trusting God. That pleases him. Did you know that when we trust God, especially when we don't know how it's going to work out, we just say, God, I don't know what's happening. I don't like what's happening, but I know you are in control. And so I'm trusting you. When we have that mindset, God says, attaboy, that's what I'm after. That's, that's the attitude I'm looking for. In James 2, 3, it says, Abraham believed God, and because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. And so Abram was called God's friend because he trusted God, even when he didn't understand it, even when it didn't make sense. He said, God, I, I believe you. I, I don't, I don't, I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it, but I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to follow you. And it says that God counted that as righteousness. That's our, that's our response. What's happening in your life right now? Or what's, what has happened in your life in the past that maybe you're still bitter about? Maybe you're still angry about it. 
instead of being bitter, instead of being angry, stop and say, God, I'm sorry. You know, I have had the wrong attitude here. I trust you. I don't like it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know that you are God and I trust you and I will be obedient and I will follow you. And the Bible counts that as righteousness. And God, the Bible says, God says, you're my friend. Good job. You make me smile. You make me happy when you have that kind of mindset, when you have that kind of attitude. Now, the next thing and, and is trusting God and, and building your hope and your faith because you know that one day Jesus is coming back. Did you know that the Bible talks more about Jesus's second coming than it did about his first coming? You know, we make such a big deal out of Christmas, which we'll be honest before you know it. Uh, we, you know, we make a big deal out of Christmas, but the Bible actually talks more about Jesus's return than he does about his first coming. Jesus was talking to his disciples after he had raised, been raised from the dead. And Jesus says in John 14, he says, I, I'm, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That is called a promise from God. You can count on God's promises. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know. The Bible says nobody but God knows. But what we do know is when he comes, he's going to correct all of the injustices. When he comes back, he's going to heal sicknesses. When he comes back, he's going to judge all who have rejected him. You know, one of the reasons people get stressed out and frustrated is because they look at all of the wrong in life. They, they look at when, when people that shouldn't be winners win like Tom Brady, you know, uh, they, 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 and it, it becomes frustrating when you see that. And it's like, no, that's wrong. When Jesus comes, he's going to correct all of that. So James says, trust God. He's coming back again. And when he comes, He's going to fix things. So hang on, stand strong, hold on. When you start getting discouraged and, and it seems like life just isn't, isn't right. And, and you're thinking this isn't fair. Hang on. James 5, 8 again. Be patient. <clears throat> stay steady. Stay strong because the Lord could arrive at any time. Any time. Now, James wrote that over 2,000 years ago, and Jesus still hasn't come. Don't let that be a, a, a discouragement to you. God's plan is in place. Trust God. Now, let me give you a couple final reasons that build faith and, and build hope. Now, the simple 
You know, if, you, if you want to walk with God, and if you want your life to be full of faith and full of hope, don't put your hope and your faith in yourself. Because guess what? You will let you down. And don't put your faith and your hope in somebody else. Certainly don't put it in a preacher because they will let you down. Don't put your faith and your hope in your job because you could lose it instantly. Don't put your faith and hope in politicians, please. We know that's a, a, a dead end. Don't put your faith or your hope in money because, again, it could be gone in an instant. You put your hope and your faith in what is eternal or who is eternal, and that is God. James 5.11, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard of Job's staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares, cares right down to the last detail. Now, here's a challenge for you, and this is, this is where your faith is going to be tested. God did that for Job do you believe God will do it for you? That's, that's where the rubber meets the road because we can read in the Bible and say, well, yeah, God did that for them, but I have no reason to believe God will do that for me. And that's, that's where your faith is truly tested. This is where the more you know about God the stronger your faith will be. The more you understand God, the more you're in the word of God, the more your hope will be strengthened. And then when your hope and your faith are strengthened, you're able to say, yes, I know that if God did that for Job, God will do that for me. And that's, that's where our hope skyrockets. Now, Get that, you know, that, that is so critical to understanding your, your walk, that no matter how messed up your life has been to this point, maybe when you look at your life, you say, I am an absolute train wreck. I, I, I have messed up everything and there is nothing I have ever done right. Maybe that, that's your mentality. Well, guess what? God can take that train wreck. God can take all of the mess up and he can turn it around and he can use it for good and he can bring glory to himself through your life. That's, that's the message that we need to understand. We have hope because we know that God is in control. Now, James gives us one more reason why we should have hope when we feel hopeless, because one day we're going to be rewarded. We're going to be rewarded by God in heaven for eternity. God promises that over and over again, that he will reward our faith. In James 1 verse 12, it says, happy are those who remain faithful under trial because when they succeed in passing such a test, they will receive a reward, uh, re receive as their reward, the life which God has promised to those who love him. 
In eternity, we will be rewarded for our faith. We will be rewarded for our trust in God. Every description of heaven falls short of what heaven is going to be like. Now, if your version of heaven is, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, then I don't want to go. You've got the wrong version of heaven. Um, or if heaven is, is a gravel road with a, an old house at the end of it, you've got the wrong understanding of heaven. Heaven is going to be beyond our, our imagination. What we need to, to grasp is that what we do in this life matters for the kingdom of God. And when we, when we give God our very best, that will be translated to a reward in heaven. But when we live our life focused on this life, then that's all there is to it. You know, it's going to die with you and it's going to go away. And one day it will be gone. We can get all wound up about the stuff of this life, but ultimately it doesn't matter. What matters is God and his glory and his kingdom. First Peter 1 6 says, so be glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though right now you are having to endure suffering, trials and grief for a little while. Even if you live to be a hundred, that's a little while when you stop and realize that eternity is trillions of years, you know, years will cease to matter. Eternity will be eternal. A hundred years versus eternal. Yeah. A hundred years is nothing. Romans eight eighteen. the sufferings we have now are nothing compared to the great glory that will be given to us. There's just no comparison. So let's keep the perspective correct. The famous missionary and, and martyr Jim Elliott um, had a very famous quote. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. It is so important that we think long term. We think eternal. And then finally, Romans 8, 18 says there is no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Let's let's keep this all in perspective. You put your hope in God. Don't put it in this world. Put your trust in God. Don't put it in this world. And when we do that and when we understand just who God is, he will consume our perspective. He will, he will blow away any doubt, any fear, any, any worry we have. And instead, he will fill us with faith and he will fill us with hope. The old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Not earth, not hell, my soul can move. 
I rest upon unchanging love. I trust his righteousness, his righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. If this morning you were sitting here feeling maybe convicted that you have been not trusting God like you should, then the, the simple answer is to repent. Look to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for looking elsewhere and not looking to you. And resolve right now to commit your life to him and him alone. Hold on to Jesus and nothing else. And, and just pray to him and say, God, I, I want you. And I resolve to give you my all. Father, we come before you this morning and we give you the praise because you are the God who has everything in his hands. There is nothing outside of you, nothing outside of your control, nothing outside of your plan. And so, Father, we, we submit to you and commit to you our lives. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.